0: Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Thank you very much for making us part of your Monday. What's up, Ben? Good morning, Jake. How are you? Me? Yeah. Incredible. Really? Today begins the 12 days of Christmas, Jake. We are
1: oh. 12 days out from Christmas. That means if you haven't gotten your loved one a partridge in a pear tree, you are doing it wrong. We are 12 days out. So you, you have need to, to start the whole song. And, and start at 1, <clears> not 12 and work back. No, I don't think you start at 12. Because it's the twelfth day of Christmas, so, so th- if you start celebrating now, so twelve is when you get twelve drummers drumming.
0: Right, that today happened, it's just a partridge. Does that happen on Christmas Day? The yeah. drummers? Yeah, the drummers got to show up on Christmas morning and wake everybody up. If you are a, uh, if you are a like a a drummer for hire per se, is like Christmas Day a big Christmas deal day, for you?
1: As long as you have eleven friends <laughs> who can join you, <laughs> as long oh. as you know eleven pipers. All right, ten ladies dancing, or is it? Ten Lords of Leaping. Or is it Nine Ladies Dancing and Ten Lords of Leaping? I don't know which the order is there. You're the Christmas guy. Well, I guess I'm we'll go, get I'm to gonna, know on December 23rd which, gonna, who shows up at the house. going to lean on you on this
0: one. It is a pretty. I, I actually watched that Office episode the other day where Andy does it literally. Buys uh, all the stuff. Yeah, buys all the stuff. And yep. the, the birds keep attacking Aaron or whatever his <laughs> name is because they're all birds. Yeah. Most of oh, them Oh, yeah. Are Aaron's his, uh, the yeah. The love he interest. likes
1: Angela first and then it moves over to the... Uh, Whatever. He's just looking for love, Ben.
0: Anything, you know, just whatever's close. Get. Same. Uh, just you know, that's how it works out sometimes. Yeah, but it's how life works. Yeah, I don't. I don't think giving people a bunch of birds
1: <laughs> or trees <laughs> or trees. I don't know. Gold that, rings are probably nice. Yeah,
0: that's probably pretty. You end up sweet. You know, but a lot of gold rings by the end of the uh, by the end of this party. What is it? Eight geese a laying wouldn't be so fun. Yeah, seven swans of swimming is yeah, a lot, right? Yeah. Because I, I the geese aren't the friendliest birds. That I've learned throughout my amateur golfing career. Uh, all right, Ben, we got a lot to do uh, today. Big news is afoot. Mondays are always fun because it seems like we have a lot to talk about, and today certainly is no exception. We'll, we'll jump right into uh, the jazz here in a moment, but I don't know if you heard Friday, big news breaking. Kalani Satake signs a uh, big extension with BYU. A
1: weird Friday news dump. Generally, the Friday news dump is, uh, we lost Kalani. He's, He's going negative. to Oregon. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but they're like, oh, yeah, it's this unprecedented deal. You'd never believe it. It also coincided, apparently, with the uh, NCAA looking into BYU for national or uh, name image likeness. Oh, yeah. So it kind of covered that up. It kind of buried that story. Not that I think it's actually going to be a big deal, what the NCAA is looking at with BYU. But the Kalani story is huge. It's a great story. Yeah, they got the money together for him. Unprecedented deal. What was your first thought? Because I'll tell you what mine was right after.
0: Uh, with Kalani, my first thought, I, I'm, I'm thinking may, we may have to get to that NIL thing. I don't know if we were planning <laughs> on getting to that today, but sure. I, I certainly have why, a take why on not? that. Why not? Let's do it. I mean, we have to do it right now. We'll talk Kalani first. Uh, let's see. My first thought is was, of course, right? Kalani's a hot commodity.
1: My thought was, this is an investment to make sure he doesn't go to Utah.
0: That was my oh, very first I thought. Oh, I like
1: your take way better. This was not about Oregon. This was not about UCLA. This has everything to do with Utah. They just made sure that Kalani Sataki is not coaching at Rice Eccles Stadium in the next three or four years. Whenever. That's Coach what Witt. the investment was for oh. BYU. That's why they made this, quote, unprecedented deal. They maybe didn't just sign him for this season. Now, of course you did. And Kalani still will be eligible to go to Utah when Utah needs a new head coach. And they would be stupid not to talk to him. He may not be the number one guy, but they would be stupid not to talk to him. But good for BYU that they've made that move significantly more difficult for Utah if they decided that was the direction they wanted to go. That was my very first thought when they ran out unprecedented deal. Not about the Big 12. We know what that offers. We knew knew that. You know, that was going to be great. That was coming. The chance to compete there is awesome. This was about making sure he doesn't leave anywhere, but specifically the one place that is really going to be focused on. I
0: like it, it. playing defense. That's smart. A good take. That's what you yeah, got to do? Is smart. That's what you got to do. Um, so we will get. To, in fact, uh, Ben used the word "unprecedented," which has been thrown about, and I, I love descriptors like that that actually don't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're not but, even telling but, us how uh, much it's worth. <laughs> but Tom Homo kind of uh, tries to define that. We'll get into that in our 10:30 cool. segment. Yeah, unprecedented. I, I love it when words like that get thrown around. It's like, okay. Yeah. I, I hear it's nice. I hear they took care of that football program, which they should. Yeah. So we'll get into that coming up. But let's start off, Ben, with Utah Jazz, uh, who swept their four-game road trip uh, against good defensive clubs for the most part, and they hammered those teams. The offense is absolutely firing and... Quinn Snyder said after the Wizards game that they're coming back a better team from this trip than when they left.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked about it a little bit. Two Fridays ago now, they had that loss at home to New Orleans. It was certainly the low point of the season. It
0: the turning point
1: for sure. It was the sure. real turning point. But that postgame press conference of Rudy saying, like, how long do I have to do this before the team learns that, like, I'm going to be 40 before we start fixing some of the mistakes. And Donovan said, you know, we got to step back, and I've got to be better, and we've got to look at ourselves and figure out how to play better. Quinn Snyder was kind of at the lowest point. We'd seen him as a coach for a long time. And then the Jazz reacted by crushing the Pelicans the next day, and they haven't lost since. They beat the Pelicans, and they beat the Blazers, and they beat Boston. Then they went on this four-game road trip that I told you I thought 2-2 two and two was going to be successful. I mean, that was kind of the bar I'd set for how this team had played. We knew that Cleveland was good. Minnesota's had some good moments this year. Philly's obviously good, and Washington until recently was one of the best teams in the, West, or in the Eastern Conference. And uh, the Jazz went in, and really other than Cleveland, which was still an impressive win because you had to win down the wire, uh, and they had a couple of their players playing at a really high level, you didn't have Hassan Whiteside, who's turned into a superstar, apparently, for the Jazz. But uh, they won that game, and then the next three just haven't been close. I mean, the Jazz are just blowing these teams out of
0: the water now. Cleveland's a good team. Really uh, good. That was a good yeah. game. The Jazz did not play poorly in the Cleveland game. I agree. Cleveland played tough, and they ended up getting a win. And, uh, yeah, Ben, I mean, they're just creaming teams now. It was close uh, for the first half against Washington, and then they the Jazz clamped down on D.
1: That's kind of how been all the last three games have been, right? At half, it's yeah. been a one- or two-point game. Maybe against maybe against Philly it was like six, but they were close. And right. then the Jazz in
0: the third quarter are just blowing teams out. Just creaming teams. You mentioned Whiteside um, against the Wizards in 20 minutes. 18, 14, and four. That's incredible. So there,
1: he's always been one of the most statistically prolific players in the NBA. Like He racks up numbers, and he doesn't do it... Because he's like freakishly skilled. His best skill is he's a good rebounder and he's a really good shot blocker. He just has a real knack for jumping, timing, where his hand needs to be to block shots. Like He's, he's truly a, an elite shot blocker. Uh, but he is just big and he's strong. And against second units, he wreaks havoc. I mean, he does what the Jazz, I think, were hoping Derek Favors was going to be able to do last year, which was going up against some smaller or some lesser players in the second units. He was going to be good. But you know what? Against Philly, if we're going back a couple days, I mean, I I thought he outplayed Joel Embiid for a couple of stretches. Yes. Which is, that's really hard to do if your backup center is better than the second best or maybe best center in the NBA right now, depending on where you rank him next to Nikola Jokic. Like, Joel Embiid, night in and night out, is an MVP candidate. uh, And the Jazz have two centers now on their roster that are capable of being the best player on the floor, at least the best big man on the floor. And that's uh, that's an enormous luxury right now for the Jazz.
0: Well, and I... What I think uh, is is also important about the point you're making right there, Ben, is minutes that Whiteside can effectively play against Joel Embiid are minutes that Rudy Gobert gets to play against whomever. Yeah. Not right. named. Paul Reed. Joel yeah, whatever their backup is. I mean, go back to the bubble when the Jazz matched up against Denver in the first round of the playoffs. Jokic and Rudy's minutes were identical. Had to be. Had to be. Yeah. Had to be. Because if Jokic was on the floor and Rudy was not... The Tony game...
1: Bradley actually couldn't hang with Jokic. This is <laughs> a surprise. What a
0: surprise! <laughs> I mean, but the game was over. Yeah. John yeah. Morgan couldn't hang with him. Now you have the luxury of of tinkering with the lineup to get Rudy some advantageous minutes. In fact, which, might I
1: say, there might be matchups that Hassan's better suited for. Sure. Because
0: he's stronger than Rudy Gobera And the point you make is probably the most important one, the other team never gets a break. And, Ru- and Rudy talked about that in the postgame, either last game, or maybe it was two games ago, Ben. You probably remember better than me. But Rudy talked about that. Like, yeah. The other team doesn't get... No offense to Derek Favors, but doesn't get the Derek Favors minutes Correct. where they get to go out and make some hay.
1: Or just attack the rim repeatedly right. over and over. And get some Hassan stuff going. Because has finally, I mean, finally, it's 27 games into the season, 26 games into the season. Uh, Hassan is figuring out exactly where he needs to be in the Jazz defense, how defenses are going to be passed off or players are going to be passed off to him so he can get those block shots and get rebounds. He's he's getting better, uh, and he's continuing to play better. So as long as he can stay healthy with Rudy Gobert... And look, he's getting 20 minutes a night. I mean, that means Rudy's getting 28. That's hugely valuable down the stretch, too, where Rudy's going to have more energy uh, to close the season. But at this point, I mean, you absolutely trust... You feel like you're going to trust Whiteside in the playoffs to get 15 minutes a game, and they're going to be good minutes. They're not going to be hold your breath, hope you don't blow a lead. Like, he's playing... An absurdly high level right now his last two games, 16 points, 12 rebounds, and three blocks a game. I mean, that's incredible production considering, like you said, he's playing 19 minutes.
0: Out of that position, the Jazz got 38-25-5. Well, and even
1: better, they shot 17 of 19 from the floor. That's 90%. Is that good, Ben? 90% from the floor on 20 shots is not too bad, especially from a position that we kind of consider a dead position. You know, in the NBA, this kind of traditional big man. And the Jazz set a, a, a team record by converting nine lob attempts. Nine alley-oop dunks. It's so funny. I remember, because I, I tweeted out Donovan Mitchell had that incredible windmill which, alley-oop which dunk. Which everybody
0: was hating on in the post I, mean, I, I get,
1: thought it was good. He didn't bring it all the way down. I understand. He didn't do, like, the full circumference of the dunk, and that's fine. Uh, first of all, he's not very big. Second of all, it wasn't a great pass, and he said he's worried about landing on people's ankles right now because he's worried about his own feet, which is pretty obvious if you watch him play right now. So he said he was kind of overthinking it while he was trying to throw it down, so he didn't like it. But the Jazz are just playing with this, this certain level of enthusiasm, this certain level of en- excitement now, and are willing to do things like that where it's funny, you go back. It's, the Jazz might have had three alley-oops one season not too long ago. You know, like Jerry Sloan was not, not
0: an didn't have a
1: ton of lob plays No, <laughs> in the system. Probably a couple. John and Carl would connect on a few. You know, they've, they've had some dunkers. Deshaun Stevenson probably caught one or two in his day. Karolinko probably even caught a few in his day. But, yeah, I mean, nine in a game honestly could surpass a year's total for the Jazz at some point in the history.
0: Blue Theodore Edwards? Yeah. probably David Benoit probably
1: Theodore had a handful. Blue Edwards? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That so was fun. It's a, it's a really fun brand of basketball to watch, too. What the Jazz are doing right now in the third and fourth quarters is, is extremely in, enjoyable to watch. And they're just kind of hanging with teams through the first half, and then they flip the switch, and it's over.
0: Do you think Donovan was more critical of the windmill, windmill because uh, of uh, Daniel Gafford's windmill? Which was so good. Which was absolutely incredible. It yeah. was a put-back dunk yeah. that he windmilled. Right. No, that's crazy. Of course Donovan's thinking, well, it uh, wasn't as good as that. Well, Dominique Wilkins wasn't as good yeah, as that. Man, right. that was yeah. that was incredible. Yeah, I like that Gafford. He's good. Hey, his his defense, (laughs) but boy, is he uh, athletically gifted. Yeah. No, it's... uh, You know he was a second-round pick in Chicago in 2019? I do. He was in the...
1: What was their trade? It might have been Denny Avdia in like a draft day trade. It was a move, but it was something, yeah, some of these guys that teams don't value. It's like, yeah, Daniel Gafford can play.
0: Somebody looked at that guy and said, yeah, I don't know. Not good enough. I think there's more he could probably I, do. <laughs> I don't know if the athleticism is there. I'd like to see a little bit more actual, actually. I about fell off my chair when he threw back that windmill. That was, yeah, that was incredible.
1: Uh, how do you feel differently about the Jazz today than you did a week ago? I think I feel pretty significantly different because we really? did we did kind of a Western Conference ranking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know we talked about this on Friday. We touched on it a little bit, but you know, I felt like Phoenix was here. Top of the top, Golden State was down a little bit, and the Jazz were probably in that conversation. Maybe a little bit better than than Golden State. We saw them just get shellacked by. Well, they didn't get shellacked, but they really got kind of beat up by Philly right after the Jazz beat Philly by 30 points. You know, and 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 Philly fans are going crazy about beating Golden State. You just kind of saw it. You realize, oh man, if if you don't get a basically perfect game from Steph Curry. It's really hard for them to win. So I thought maybe the Jazz have a few, a few notches up or a little bit better than uh, this Golden State roster. I, I don't know if there's much difference right now at all between Phoenix and what the
0: Jazz are doing. Jazz are just playing at such oh, an incredibly high level. I don't think there is a difference. To answer your question, though, I don't really feel that differently about that. I, I, through the ups and downs of the season, Ben, I mean, you got to have a little faith if you think the team is good. Sure. And honestly, the way they were playing was not jazz basketball. Quinn's own words right there, not jazz basketball. So, and you had to make the, at least this is how I viewed it in my mind. Was the team going to fall apart? Was the locker room just going to fall apart? And maybe it was on the brink there for a minute because there was some selfish play and all that stuff. But were they going to lose the locker room? Was Coach Snyder going to lose the locker room? Or were they going to figure it out and get back to fulfilling their potential as a team? I would have always bet. Sure, they were going to come back. They were going to come back and fulfill their potential as a team. Quinn Snyder's a great coach. The locker room sometimes has been flawed, especially under uh, extreme unique circumstances. Right. Uh, But always, always, it's come back to jazz basketball for one reason, Ben, and that's the two leaders on the team, Donovan and Rudy, as different as they may be, still have the same common goal and that is to win a championship. And a lot of players say that, and I don't necessarily believe it, but their actions have backed that up because they've both put aside a bunch of stuff to come together and work to the common good. And that's happened repeatedly. And so I didn't really doubt it was going to happen, I guess. I'm not trying to say I told you so, but I'm just I never thought that that what we were what we saw against New Orleans was the team in any way, shape, or form, and they were going to figure it out at some point.
1: There wasn't enough of a shake-up in the offseason of any kind other than Rudy Gay, but it's not like George Niang was the minivan that was no. driving this ship last year. Like People liked George, but it wasn't like he was irreplaceable as a personality or as you know a player right. on the floor. And, and Derek Favors was beloved, but he was not very good on the floor last year. He was pretty washed last season. So if you could get anything from Whiteside at $8 million less, and Rudy Gay could come in and provide you some semblance of production... You were still going to be very good. The question, I think, that I had presented to me uh, from somebody close to the Jazz, and they had wondered if the roster had, quote, rotted. Which was just like they had been together too long. There wasn't enough of a shakeup that maybe it had it had soured. It had spoiled. Right. And there was just not enough innovation or new blood to feel like this thing was going to have a chance to continue to grow. That maybe they'd reached their peak. And once you reach your peak and you realize it's not good enough, it's hard to continue believing in it. I had had someone approach me and throw that theory at me. Clearly now that looks like it's there's not a chance that's the case.
0: I get why somebody might have thought that though. Yeah. Because the problems they were having were, mm, I don't want to say bad locker room problems. No, that's it felt not like, like a lack of belief. It it, it it was a lot of dribbling. It was a lot yes. of selfishness. Uh, yes. How did uh, how did Quinn Snyder put it? He said, it's, it's not like my players are selfish, but they are self-interested. Correct. Remember when he said that? Yes. I thought that really stood out to me because it's like, yeah, they're playing like a bunch of self-interested guys. Right. Correct.
1: And, and they and, got over it. And they got over it. And you know what? It took a it took a beating. Yep. It, it took a bad loss to New Orleans. But again, we've talked about this balancing bad home losses with good road wins. Like I think at this point in the season, you've probably had as many good wins that you weren't expecting to get as you've had bad losses. Sure. Like. Orlando was a bad loss on the road. Sure, you, you shouldn't have lost that game. You probably shouldn't have lost to New Orleans at home. You probably shouldn't have lost to Memphis. I didn't think you were going to beat Minnesota on the second night of a back-to-back, or I should, I should say just first night. I really didn't think you were going to beat Philly right. on the road. You've already won a game at Milwaukee. Yes, they were shorthanded, but you probably Still. shouldn't have been expecting to beat the Bucks. I, I don't think you thought you were going to sweep this road trip. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you've had enough balance here, to, I think, where the Jazz are record-wise probably exactly what you'd
0: hoped. Oh, they're still in the mix. That, w- that was the thing during the, 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 I guess, down moment in the season is, what, they fell to third in the West? I mean, look at the Lakers. That's a down moment where you should panic and try to figure out what's wrong. Right. Correct. Correct.
1: There are teams that really are in trouble. In fact, it's everybody behind the Jazz and yes. Western Conference. Yes. And I even think Golden State's in a little bit of trouble. I know, you know their record doesn't say that, but I just I don't have a ton of belief in them as, as one of the top teams in the West by the season's end. I think it really might just come down to the Jazz and the Suns again.
0: Right. I don't... There's a lot of pressure on Steph Curry to be good. So much pressure. Every single night. Yep. And, and,
1: and look, he's trying to get the three-point record right now, so he was forcing it against uh, Philly a little bit, and that's one of the reasons they lost, but... Yeah, they're just they're gonna have a hard time. and they've played so many home games. I mean you just look at where the Jazz have been. Jazz are a better road team this year than they are home team, which says a lot. You know, yeah. Jazz have a better record on the road. They played just as many games. Uh, they're ten and three away from Salt Lake City, which is bananas. They're nine and four here. Uh, which is, you know, those are both great records. Those are terrific numbers, uh, but the Jazz are playing well. It's a good time to be a Jazz fan.
0: want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended throughout December at Davis Vision. If you're tired of contacts or glasses, get LASIK now. Save 1400 bucks. Limited spots available, so get on it. Check, uh, check them out, davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. We'll have more coming up next on uh, Jake and ninety 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Haven't heard this song in a while. This is a jam. This is a bop. Will Smith can get it, as the kids say. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: Jake, I've been corrected. I opened the show by saying today is the 12 days of Christmas. Apparently, 12 days of Christmas starts on Christmas Day, which sounds baloney to me. Why would you start and then give presents for 12 days after Christmas? I like the buildup. I, like uh, I don't like the after. I mean, everyone likes Christmas, but uh, you don't need 12 days of it after. Mark on Twitter says at the risk of being pedantic, which is like saying... I don't want to be racist, but uh, at the risk of being pedantic, so of course you are going to be, the 12 days of Christmas starts on Christmas Day and extends to Epiphany on January 6th, also known as We Three Kings Day, or Three Kings Day, which is where the song We Three Kings comes from. Uh, What kind of a Catholic are you? Mark, I'm the worst kind of Catholic, which is I'm not Catholic.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, Ben, uh, this is the best part about not caring, is you don't set yourself up for this type of failure.
1: Oh, correct. You know, yeah. You know, you can't catch me in any verbal. Somebody
0: goes, "Hey, when do you, how do you do the twelve days of Christmas?" And I say, "Well, you know what, Ben? Don't care. Just don't start it." Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, don't put the Santa in your yard because it's just going to get popped two days in. Any news on that? No, you haven't no, replaced it. News. No, I haven't replaced it. How was your weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I spent it flat not Santa. Saying. Yeah. That's Santa you know, go to great expense and effort to celebrate the holiday only to get it smashed and end up with a crying four-year-old thanks a lot Ben thanks a lot Megan Merry Christmas everybody uh yeah I should I should still replace it yeah you my, ought to yeah you probably have 30 days from when you bought it anyway can we talk about something else is that okay and, yeah. and shame on you for not knowing the 12 days of Christmas. Ben, I'm I'm embarrassed to be chatting with
1: you right now. Epiphany is a major Christian celebration. It's celebrated on January 6th and commemorates the presentation of the infant Jesus to the magi or three wise men. That's why it's called Three Kings Day, which We Three Kings is one of the best Christmas songs. So that's a good day. January. I'm Actually, you know what? I am celebrating
0: Christmas through January 6th now. Thanks you ever, to Mark. You ever gotten anybody any myrrh as a gift? No, there, frankincense. No? I don't even know where to get frankincense anymore. I hardly know what that is. Well, I, I certainly don't know what myrrh is. No. They're all like spices, aren't they? Is that what? Other I... than the guy who brought gold. Yeah, that guy is... I got frankincense? You bringing gold? Seriously. <laughs> it's like the person that goes over budget for the office. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like, what are you doing? We said 15 bucks. <laughs> no, I got gold. Frankincense is a hardened gum like material that comes from the trunk of a Boswellia tree. People use it as oils on the skin or aromatherapy. Okay. Myrrh, on the other hand. Is also an oil. Myrrh is a sap like substance that comes from the cuts of the backs of certain trees used in foods and beverages. It's a flavoring component.
0: Larry brought gold. Gold. Way to make us look bad, Larry. I brought canola oil <laughs> and he brought gold. This <laughs> is veggie oil.
1: Has a little his,
2: flavoring.
0: He stop brought, making us look bad. Brought a bar of gold. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Kalani Satake. Speaking of gold, Ben, lots of gold in his, in his sock this year. He got an unprecedented contract extension. Now, we love the word "unprecedented" because mm-hmm. we don't know what that really means Correct. in this circumstance. But uh, Tom Homo had a he and Kalani had a press conference, and uh, Tom took a stab at uh, saying what "unprecedented" mean. Let's let's listen to that, and then we can talk about how we're feeling about things.
2: I feel it's unprecedented because Kalani and I got together with Brian Santiago, my deputy AD, and we started talking about the program. The program really starts with Kalani, but it also goes deeper than that. It goes into Kalani's coaching staff. It goes into his office staff. It goes on to the people around the strength staff, the trainers. There's so many people that are involved in the success of this program. And when we started talking about the future with Kalani, Kalani wanted to start with them. He didn't want to start with himself. And so I think it's unprecedented, I believe it's unprecedented because one, we're able to move forward with our head coach leading the way in a long-term contract. It also is unprecedented that we have made the commitment to Kalani and his staff going forward and for the rest of the program that we're gonna do the things that we need to to bring BYU football into this modern age where we're, we've been an independent and now we're going to the big 12. And it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a concerted effort between our administration, BYU athletics, BYU football, Kalani and the staff, we're all in this together. And I think that one of the things that's really made me feel good about this whole thing is Kalani loves the department. It's so cool to see Kalani, um, Just feeling it with the other head coaches and conferring and um, consulting with and them talking about the games and talking about their players. And it it kind of it all felt so good that it's unprecedented because Cougar Nation wanted it badly. Kalani had made a commitment to Cougar Nation and Cougar Nation has made a commitment to Kalani. We just had to put that all together.
0: All right, I still don't know what "unprecedented" means. What, what, what they've of words. never they've never taken uh, taken care of the assistant coaches before. Is that what that? I mean, that's probably in about? some
1: way. Yeah, you're you're making it at least competitive offers to these guys that that make them know that you know that they have as much opportunity to succeed on the field and off the field, which is you know financially taking care of their families as they would at another Big Twelve school. Which, yeah, that's unprecedented for BYU so far to this point. I thought, because Coach Guy Holiday, remember, was at Utah, was at BYU, he replied to Hans over the weekend, because Hans put out a tweet about Kalani's deal, and this is what Guy Holiday said. He said, most people on the outside really have no idea what a competitive marketplace truly is in college football. BYU is a great school and program, but the days of should-be-happy-to-be-there are over. Added resources are needed along with other competitive advantages. I think that's probably really accurate from a guy who's coached there, who's coached at Utah, and probably understands the difference between the programs. It is a, it's not a one-time thing. You can't just say, hey, Kalani, here's money. Now you've got to do what you can with that. Like It needs to be continued support all the time for Kalani and his, and his coaches, and it sounds like maybe that's what
0: BYU's trying to do. All right, I've got a comparison for you, Ben. Okay, let's hear it. All right. Uh, at some point during independence... In, in this, Independence really forced BYU's hands in this situation. They had to decide whether they were going to do it or not. Correct. Are, are we going to do this? Or are we going to... Guy Holiday's words, uh, the you should be happy to be here mode. Are we are we going to are we gonna push the chips in to maximize our value to get into a big-time league? Or are we not? And, you know, for they were kind of pushed maybe into that decision by Independence or whatever, but they they had to do it. It's kind of like... I'm sure in coach Quinn Snyder's career after he got fired from Missouri and he's bouncing around the G League and he's going to Russia and he's, you know, taking different experiences under different head coaches, assistant coaching uh, Kobe Bryant with the Lakers. I mean, his time in Atlanta, like at some point he had to probably decide, am I going to do this or not? Because the road to NBA coaching was going to be a long one. That wasn't particularly fun. Right. Last week in a, in a media availability, he talked about some of his funny G League stories about buses and all this. Driving through like, a flood. It, yeah. Not glamorous. No. Uh, cold in the case of, of coaching in literally Siberia. Yep. Like at some point he probably had to say, am I going to be a coach or am I going to you know go be a lawyer or right. something? Like am I going to do this or not? And BYU during independence had to decide are we going to do this or not? And I think, you know, Tom Homo can use the word unprecedented and I get why he's doing it because they haven't behaved this way necessarily at BYU. But they made the decision to do this years ago. They jumped into the
1: pool. And they said, we're going to tread water and see what the lay of the land looks like, yes, in a decade, essentially. And that's and we want to give ourselves so much time before we commit to one thing or another. Because if BYU had committed to being a Mountain West Conference school, maybe they still could have joined the Big 12. I mean, I I think that probably would have been on the table at this point. But they did have to put themselves in that spot to, A, make it easy to make the decision, or be the first person called, and I'm sure they were with the Big 12. And then, second, you're right, they got to choose which side of the fence they wanted to be on. And if it if ten years in, if Kalani hadn't had these last two years at BYU, which it resulted in top ten finishes or you know top ten teams and number two overall draft picks, and you know not maybe the best bowl games, but but good good enough seasons that you recognize that they deserve better. Uh, they probably aren't in the spot where they're choosing to go all-in now. They're choosing to make these unprecedented moves. So good that Kalani Satake's had these last two seasons that, that they really, I think, desperately needed to get to this point. But yes, they put themselves in a spot where they got to choose which side of the fence they wanted to be on, and there is enough now over these last couple of seasons, over the last, what, 18 months, for them to feel confident that they belong on one side with the big boys trying to really put this type of money into it. And that money should come back to the program. I mean, that money should come back to the school, going to the Big 12, winning at the level they're winning right now. And that is that is unprecedented and good for BYU for making that decision because it would have been a lot easier and safer to go the other.
0: Kalani made the decision easy for him, too, because he's obviously a good coach. Correct. That has figured some things out on how to be successful at BYU which is not the easiest uh, uh, problem to solve, per se, and uh, probably easy, easier to put that kind of uh, trust in somebody that you first-person witnessed that they obviously know what they're doing. And I'm trying to think back of a lot of situations
1: when you're where BYU is right now, and it was ever-wise to go the opposite direction. And we can even look at it in the NBA and what the Jazz are doing right now. You know, You had Mike Conley and you had Jordan Clarkson... You had Joe Ingles, you had Rudy Gobert, you had Donovan Mitchell, and one season, other than Joe Ingles, you had to pay all of them. And what was the decision they made? Like, yeah, let's pay everybody. This, I guess, Mike was this last season. Mm -hmm. But, like, you could have easily let Mike Conley walk and say the luxury tax is too high, we can't stomach it. But good for Ryan Smith, who said, you know what? You just have a good thing in front of you. And, yeah, it's going to cost a little money right now, but it will probably pay itself back in the long run. So invest in Mike Conley, and that money will come back to you. Rarely does chickening out and letting guys walk ever really benefits you. Not spending the money, rarely does that ever come back and benefit you. BYU's not at risk of going broke. You know what I mean? The program, football program's not at risk of going broke, so if they can get enough people to gather around and make this investment in Kalani Sataki, it's going to come back and pay for itself versus if they had gone out and tried to find another coach and he didn't work out, and you set yourself back by three seasons because you weren't going to fire him after one year, and then you have to hope you could find the next Kalani Satake. Like You have him here. Just bite the bullet, pay once, cry once,
0: and you'll be okay. But you'll be in better shape in a couple of seasons. There was a coaching hiring over the weekend in the Pac-12, the Ducks, Found their guy, but it was not without drama over the weekend. We'll get Ben's thoughts on uh, on that coming up right around the corner. We do have some uh, college football news. Ben, not a shocker. Keaton Slovis reportedly has entered the transfer
1: huh, portal, not entering the draft. That's honestly that might be the surprising part for me. He might have just made the jump. There's not many good quarterbacks this year. He wasn't going to be a go. first round pick, but just go. You're going to throw the ball country mile once you get into the you know the end of the NFL pro days. Maybe he still gets that if he doesn't find the right team to take him up.
0: Yeah, he probably just because you go into the portal now doesn't mean that... You can't he, declare. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I wonder though, because do you really want to go into the NFL draft though on the momentum of you've got bench for a freshman? Correct. That's a tough sell. It is a tough sell.
1: It also feels like it's hard to become a draft pick playing vigilante quarterback for one season somewhere else. Disagree. Oh, Yo, you think that's an easy way to get drafted? Worked for Jalen Hurts. Worked for one guy, yeah. Yeah, he was going nowhere. As the, Correct. He wasn't going to get drafted if as the think, Alabama quarterback. If you think you can be that guy and go transfer someone else and have success. I know Jalen about is, our guy? Uh, probably out of the NFL now. How about our guy Russ Wilson? That was a little bit a different time of football, it feels like. That wasn't quite the transfer portal, transfer portal like we're dealing with now. No, but he was going, you can. He was going nowhere at North Carolina if, State. If you think you can bet on yourself, he probably would have gotten drafted at North Carolina State still. He made a he made a smart jump up. He wasn't getting replaced, right, at North Carolina no, State? No, he was not. So Correct. There are a little bit... Uh, Apples and oranges there, but you're right. No, Jalen Hurts is a good example. Goes and finds the right system for him where he can throw the ball all over the field. Which ironically, is what his job should have been at USC now because it's the same coach,
0: right? Bro, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's a great point actually. No, yeah. oh, all right. Uh, coming up next, we'll we'll talk about the Oregon hire straight ahead. Ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty of the zone. Jake and Ben, ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty of the zone. Ben Sven tweets in, says, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Gardner Minshew. There are quite a few quarterbacks that have transferred for one year before entering the draft. Uh,
1: different, different world. Those are all pre-transfer portal kids. Every single one of them. Gardner and min- Cam Newton went from minor leagues, right? I mean, he was in double-A baseball before he moved up and was playing.
0: Wait, um, wait, wait. I, I thought of another good example. Uh, uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow was a good example.
1: No, the Justin Fields. You know what I mean? Like there are good examples of guys who certainly have done it and had opportunities to play one place and transferred somewhere else. Didn't Joe didn't Justin Fields start at Georgia? I think he started at Georgia and ended up at Ohio State and won the Heisman. It, it's certainly possible. Now, a lot of those guys were five-star freshmen, didn't play their first year because somebody else got that job, yeah. and they go and play the rest of their career. The one-year guys don't gen- generally do it as.
0: Urbo nice. picked Fields over Burrow, right? Exactly right. Because I always thought it was funny that the great Urban Meyer picked Brett Elliott over Alex Smith. Correct. It always is an example that these coaches, uh, you know, may think they're infallible. They are not. Can you imagine not picking Joe Burrow? Right. Now, right. Yeah, he's unbelievable.
1: He's even good in the NFL. He's great in but the NFL. Quinn Yours is going to be the same kid who went to Ohio State, didn't win the starting job. That's fine. Their quarterback's great. We're going to see him coming up in the Rose Bowl. But now he goes to Texas and he's going to start and he's going to be an NFL draft pick but it's like it's where Utah is right now it's exactly where Utah is right now like Keaton Slovis who, who has a better chance of making the NFL Keaton Slovis or Cam Rising there's probably a real bet that Keaton Slovis has a better chance just as far as like his build mm-hmm. like Cam Rising isn't a huge person he's super good but, like, you don't want Keaton Slovis over Cam Rising. Cam Rising's a better college quarterback right now. You don't have to fix this problem at Utah. It's so nice this offseason for the youths that the conversation is not going to be on the quarterback transfer portal. But there are a lot of names out there, and there are kids you can go and have success. Hell, Cam Rising's a transfer portal kid. He is. But we're talking about—I'm talking more along the lines of these guys who switch for right. one year to try and get themselves back to the NFL draft.
0: All right, Ben, the University of Oregon has made a hire. Obviously, it's not Kalani yep. Satake, as he's uh, been rewarded staying at BYU. It's indeed uh, Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning was yeah. hired. Uh, in, in no one his, knew that. No one knew about him, apparently. His press conference, I think, is going on right now huh. or, or is uh, starting soon. But um, it, it, the interesting part, Ben, because you and I had a conversation on Friday about this hire, how it was it was this competing interest. Uncle Phil wanted Chipper and uh and the Oregon alum whatever wanted Justin Wilcox. And when they picked Dan landing I thought, wow, what a brilliant move by the athletic director who says, you know what, neither one of you get to be right. I'm Correct. gonna go find somebody else. And landing by the way, you look at his credentials, great, has a great background, uh, and uh, is Rumored to be one of the best recruiters in the country and just coached a historically good defense for the Georgia Bulldogs. So I I don't know if it's that. uh, We'll see how it goes. But I thought, what a good move by the AD. All right. Nobody's happy. But then uh, Canzano reports yesterday, I think, that Justin Wilcox actually turned down the job. How is that possible? How? Were they not paying him enough? Possible. Were they not offering enough money? They must have lowballed him. That had to be it. You don't want to go from Cal.
1: To Oregon? Like that's your ticket out. Yeah, that's your ticket out. Like Cal might fire you next year. They should have fired you this year. Right, they can't afford to fire you, probably. You know, that's gotta be the issue. So yeah, they don't go with Chip, they don't go with Justin Wilcox. Obviously not Kalani. Here's my problem with Dan Landing. No no offense to him. He's thirty-five. That's a I mean, I'm thirty five, I'm an idiot. I'm so stupid, Jake. I wouldn't have me run a football team. And I get, not all 35 year olds are created equal. I'm sure he's far more competent than I am. He's running Georgia, at least their defense, for hell's sakes. But yeah, that's, that's young. I, 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 when I was younger, I thought, sure, anyone can do it. Now, there is something about the guys who have been around for 15 years, obviously. What Kyle Whittingham knows now, he's a, just such a yeah, better yeah. coach than he was 15 years ago. Kalani's better today than he was when he took the BYU job. It's just it's going to take a while at Oregon for a 35 year old to get that team up and running like you want.
0: The age doesn't necessarily bother me as much as the inexperience. That's I, th- I think the, the you just point don't you're you about don't know what you don't know. But here's the argument for the age because we're seeing younger coaches. Yep, I mean, Lincoln are, Riley himself is is right. in his 30s still, right? right? So I mean, it's all about connecting with young people. In recruiting. That's got to be your number one um, asset, so to speak. If you can't connect with young people, then you can't coach. And there are different ways to do it, obviously. It doesn't mean that you have to be a young person to connect with young people, but sometimes it helps. Now, Coach Witt has and Kalani for both uh, have honed their way to communicate with young people over the years. So you don't have to be young, but you have to figure out a way to connect with a different generation. And sometimes it does help if you're a little younger.
1: I'm curious about that with Oregon specifically because it's such a unique school. Because we've talked about, are they a program or are they a, a brand? And a lot of the feels like a brand. They're the Nike brand, they're the Nike school, and that's what you know everyone brings up. So. Is it better to be all in on that idea, which I think a 35-year-old is probably better at, of coming in and saying, yeah, we're Nike, we're cool, we're young, I'm going to identify with you, you want to come here because Oregon's cool, I'm cool, this is cool. Or is it better to have all your bases covered where maybe you have an older coach like Chip Kelly who isn't all brand guy, who maybe has a little bit more of the experience, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, and then you can also sell, we're a brand, we're Nike, etc. Is it better to have two kind of opposing forces and you hope to meet in the middle with these kids because kids are always going to want to go to Oregon or is it better to say we're all young we're all cool we're all brand and I suspect that's what probably more what you're going to get from Dan Land.
0: it's, it's interesting you bring up Chip because I think a lot of the reason he's no longer a great coach is because his players hate him
1: correct they, they don't like him they hate him yeah
0: and there's there's some interesting stuff in his background about how he, he you know punished white players yeah. and how versus how he punished black players right. and there's all this this rep that he brings along with him. I I honestly think that's one of his biggest issues. Certainly the reason he stopped uh, being a good coach in the NFL is because right. players just yeah, Urban Meyer just exact same listening. problem. Yeah yeah right. Yeah you're a bozo. So I don't know you, you know I did, again bringing back to what does the modern day college coach have to look like? I don't think it's Chip Kelly. No,
1: I agree with you. I wonder at Oregon, because it's such a specifically bizarre school, because it has the that Nike thing. you could thing, have a coach that, that can, everybody hates? Yes, yes. You, oh, you, you have okay. a little bit more leeway right. to have a tougher coach coming in while you also have this young brand that is always going to be young and because cool. Because it's a desirable because place to desirable. be. Because it's desirable. Hmm. I wonder mm. if you have more room, equity, to play with a coach that can push back a little bit harder. I mean, not. don't
0: be racist. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't no, no. treat but, your players differently. No, but you I'm can not, hire the cranky old man if you're Oregon because players still want to go there. Because you
1: have I get it. An, a built-in cell right. of this young thing that not every school has.
0: If you're Wyoming, you can't hire a cranky old man. It's because, hard. Or you have to. I mean, or maybe you do have to because you're it's getting- It's a cranky old town like, Yeah, where you're, you're, you're getting playing. players that don't really have any other options? Correct. I'm kidding. It's hard I'm kidding. It's hard to sell Utah as cool.
1: No offense. like It is. We think they're it's cool. It's their biggest challenge. But it's hard to sell like yes. coming and living in Salt Lake City as cool compared to an Oregon or a USC. I mean, Arizona State's cooler than Utah is. They're not a better program, but they're certainly cooler than Utah is. That's got to be a hard sell. That's never going to be a hard sell at
0: Oregon. There's a reason that uh, the Utah coaching staff will tell you that getting players on campus when they're recruiting, their success rate is through the roof. Correct. Actually getting players to commit to come take a visit is the hard part. Wednesday's National Letter of Intent Day. We'll see how well this all follows up. All right. We do have some Ute news we'll get to coming up uh, right around the corner. We'll also get back to talking about the Jazz. The Clippers, Ben. Wednesday. Wednesday. We'll talk about it straight ahead. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.